Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Well, take your Bible, if you would, to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter number 12, and we're going to be uh, continuing our series that we began last week. And this morning, I want to bring a message that is simply entitled, A Clear View of Your Vision. Now, many people may be thinking, why didn't you talk about vision last week? And if you missed last week, you can go on to YouTube, watch the message, or you can listen to it on Spotify or Apple. But that message is pivotal because it sets up this message. Because many of us have come into New Year's and will make resolutions and they don't really pan out. They don't have the impact. And we said last week, and I'll carry it over this week, it's not the amount of resolutions that you make. It's the amount of time you put into that resolution that makes the difference. And you and I often, we make all these resolutions and we miss out on the fact that it's not more, it's just more time into those resolutions. And so that's why this week we said, uh, we're going to talk about faithfulness first, because if you don't understand that you have to be faithful to something, then you're going to miss out. So we said faithful for what? Faithful for the vision that God has for each and every one of us. And we believe it's important and powerful that you and I, we have a vision for our life, for our marriage, for our family, for our careers, for our finances, for our health. You and I need a vision. So important that we have a vision. Our church has a vision. Our church also has a mission. Sometimes we get the two confused. Uh, I'll ask somebody, what's the vision of the church? Leading people to find and follow Jesus. And I'll say, no, 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 that's the mission. That's not the vision. And then they'll, they'll be like, what? There's a difference? Yeah, yeah. Mission is what you do. Vision is where you're going. Mission is what you do. Vision is where you're going. We do something and then we're headed somewhere. I've, I've been a part of ministries that lost vision. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to be a church that has a vision. And the vision is bigger than a building. The vision needs to be clear. Some of you may have a vision, but it's hazy, it's fuzzy, you're not really sure. You just want better. Okay, better at what? Well, I just want to be a gazillionaire. Okay, so you're a gazillionaire, now what? I don't know. It's like all the people that win the lottery, and they destroy their life, because they didn't have a vision for what that money was going to do. They just thought, oh, I got all this money, what am I going to do? Well, the money's not ready, you're not ready for that money, you're going to mess it up, you're going to mess up that, that moment that you had, and so leading to find and follow Jesus is our mission, our vision is to change the world by reaching people, that's the vision. You say, where did that vision come from? I'm glad you asked, it came from the Bible, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone, that's, that's what we're called to do, and a vision that was smaller would insult the greatness of our God. Any other vision would insult the greatness of our God. We are called to go and reach the world. That's what the church is there to do. It's interesting because uh, Google for years has been keeping track of the books that you and I purchase. Google keeps track of a lot of things that we're finding out these days. I even remember the first time where I heard about Google is the mid-90s. Uh, maybe you remember. For me, I was just like, what is this thing called Google? 
you know? And a friend came over and a friend was telling my dad to, to start using Google as a search engine. I think we were using AltaVista. Remember the days of AltaVista? And so we were, we were using these old search browsers and then Google was there. So we were sitting down, you know, and our, and our computer was huge. Remember how big they were? And it had this huge monitor that was really heavy and it was just massive, you know, and the graphics are terrible. And then we were waiting there and then we were, we were, we were dialing up. Some of you don't know about this. It would, it would do this dial-up. It's going like, make this time. And then, and then you get up, you order a pizza, you wait for it, you eat the pizza, then you come back and you're finally logged in. You know, it, it took a while to get on the internet. And we get on the internet and then the, the guy said, type in Google. And we were like, that's not even a word. You're just making up stuff, make us sound like idiots. We typed in Google and we discovered Google, mid-90s. And uh, ever since then, the world has never been the same. And Google has a vision. Do you know what their vision is? Organizing the world's information. That's their, that's their vision. Everybody's got a vision. You have to have a vision. And so if you go on Google, uh, they can go back and track things because they weren't around in the 70s, but they went back and started looking at all the data and they put it into their system. And in 1978, if you wrote a book and you put the word vision in the title of your book, your book would start to outperform every other book. And it just took off. The word vision took off in 1978. Just took off. And for over 30 years, anything with the title of vision, it just did great. Up until 2018, something happened. Something happened. You can go in and look at it, and you can see the bell curve has plateaued. Some people believe it's either plateaued or it's in the decline. So it went up. You say, how much did it go up? Over 300% since 1978 to 2018. The, the title of vision for books went up over 300%. People were all about vision. But something happened in 2018. I believe we're seeing it now. When it takes 15 or 17 votes to get a Speaker of the House elected, or when you see all the problems in our society, it, it just shows you that there's a lack of vision. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. And I believe that there should be one institution, one organization that should be more visionary, more revolutionary than any other institution, and that is the church of the living God. We should not be looking to uh, past greats like Steve Jobs, or we should not be looking to Elon Musk or Bill Gates for creativity and for vision. The church should have the greatest, most powerful vision because our vision changes people's lives. Our vision is so much bigger than what theirs is. Our vision is to change the world. Now, they talk about changing the world, but changing the world for who and for what? We're talking about changing the world for God. There's no greater vision, amen? Amen. 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 All right. We're going to have to wake up a little bit this morning. Uh, I, I think we didn't put enough ca caffeine in the communion this morning. We need to uh, get that going. Take your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. Notice, if you would, three verses. I want to look at three verses this morning. Because I want you to walk out of here with a vision. Matter of fact, I want you to walk out of here with a clear view of your vision. The verse says, the Lord had said to Abram. You see, we know Abram. You say, I don't know Abram. This is Abraham. This is before he's famous, before he has kids, before he's known as, as this great man, great man of faith. This is him when we first get introduced to Abraham. He's Abram. And here's what God says as the first introduction to him. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to land I will show you. You know what verse 1 is? That's mission. I don't know if you write in your Bible, but I write in my Bible. Verse number 1, that's his mission. Go. We have the same mission. 
Go into all the world. It's the same, my friend. It's powerful. Verse number two, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You know what verse two is? That's the vision. Verse number one is the mission. Verse number two is the vision. God is giving Abraham the vision. My question is, do you have a clear view of your vision? Verse number three finishes like this. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Do you have a clear view of your vision? This morning, it's going to be important that you and I take time to get some notes because I believe this message can radically impact your life because I believe this morning we can fix a lot of your frustrations because a lot of your frustrations in your marriage, with your children, with your finances, with your health, with your wealth, with your future has to do with your vision or the lack thereof. Many people are cynical and they're a little bit, um, uh, uh, it's hard for them when they come to do New Year because they're just thinking, what's gonna change this year? And I will tell you, nothing will change without a vision. Vision will allow 2023 to be your greatest year. I don't care your age or stage in life, this can be the best year, but it's gonna require a vision. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. And we live in a time when it seems like vision is severely lacking. I know some people have a vision for you, but we need to have a vision for ourselves. It's not enough that you say, hey, I come to church and I just adopt the church's vision. No, 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 no. You need to have a vision for your marriage. You need to have a vision for your children. You need to have a vision for your finances. You know, if you were to take your money and maybe you use it in an investment firm, maybe you do stocks, maybe you do crypto, and you were to hand them $100, and a year later they give you your $100 back, they had no vision for your money. You'd be like, I'm not working with them anymore. Because I want somebody who has a vision for my money. I want, I want to be able to give them 100 and they give me $200 back. I want, I want to double my money. That's, that's what I want. We want somebody who has a vision. You wouldn't invest your money with somebody with no vision. You want to invest with somebody who's got a vision. People are looking for you, mom, looking for you, dad, looking for you, grandpa, grandma, looking for you, boss, looking for you, Christian, and saying, what's your vision? You expect people to invest in you, to get on board with you, to follow you, but you got no vision? They're not going to follow you. You gotta have a vision for your life. You gotta have a vision for your marriage, a vision for your kids. Otherwise, you will stay in the exact same spot you are today a year from now. And you'll come back, you'll be like, God doesn't work, the Bible doesn't work, and I'm frustrated. Of course you are, you have no vision. Because where no vision, the people perish. But we live in a generation that we need to step back and say, Lord, give me a fresh vision. You see, vision is something that is out of reach, but not out of sight. Verse number one of what we read, it said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to land. I'll show you. That's not real clear, is it? He tells Abraham to leave. He's supposed to leave his country, leave what is familiar. Understand, Abraham is a wandering Bedouin. He's a tribesman who lives in the desert. He doesn't have a house. He has a tent, and he has a caravan, and he just wanders the desert. That's who he is, and God says, yes, go, and he's like, go where? I'll tell you when you get there. Are you kidding me? That's the husband that took the wife. I want to take you out on a date. Oh, where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. And he's cheap, and they end up at McDonald's. <laughs> what? Now, I like McDonald's, so if anybody takes me to McDonald's, we're having a good time. That's all good. I don't know about you, but I love it. It's awesome. Here's the thing about vision. And even Hebrews, he said, uh, for he looked for a city whose foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He had a vision. And here's this thing. You and I, we got to understand, we want the vision to be now, and we want it to not be out of reach, but that's the vision. It's not out of sight, but it may be out of reach. 
You see, vision is what could be. That's vision. Have you written down what could be in your marriage? What could be in your business? Have you just sat down and just said, huh, I wonder what could be accomplished this year. I wonder what I could do. And just take some time. That's what I did at the beginning of this year. I said, I got to write down what could be this year. What could be? And don't, don't how it to death. Don't be like, well, this is factual. And this, just write it all down. Just bring dump it all. What could happen if things got approved with the building permit? What could happen if we raised the $10 million? Hey, what could happen if we started reaching 1,000 people a week? Hey, what could happen if we hired 10 more staff members? Hey, what could happen if I did more investment? Hey, what could happen if I spent more time with my marriage? Hey, what could happen if I spent more time with my three kids? What could happen if I volunteered more? What could happen if I started writing more? What could happen if I started developing my skills a little bit more? That's vision. You know what vision does? You start to get excited about the vision. It's not even real yet but it gets you excited. Here's how I know the vision gets you excited. How many of you like a good steak? Raise your hand, come on, you like a good steak. The rest of you are liars, all right? Everybody loves a good steak. If you don't, you need to have a good steak. You say, I'm vegan, save the animals. You're missing out, all right, more for me. Please don't leave the church over that statement. But you love a good steak, and, and, and there, maybe you like Morton's, or maybe you like House of Prime Rib. Maybe you got a place that you love, and it's just great. Now, if you on Monday know that Friday night you're going out for a nice piece of steak, oh man, that vision, you're like, it's okay. You can yell at me. I'm, I'm going I'm to have a nice dinner and I'm looking forward to that steak. And here's what'll happen. You thinking about that steak, your mouth will begin to salivate. Isn't that crazy? Your body reacts to the vision. Some of you, you have no vision. So of course your body's nothing to get excited. Oh, I just got through life. I just, I can't stand my life. You have no vision. You say, well, I hurt and I'm aching. I got this. No, no, no. You can get a vision. I don't care what age and stage you are. You need to have a vision for what you're going to accomplish. People are attracted to vision. People want to follow a visionary. People love a visionary. And vision is on the decline nowadays. Vision's not taken off. Vision's not thriving. And God's people of all people should have a vision because we know where we're headed. We know what the future has. And we can have a vision from God. So vision is what could be. Not only what could be, what should be. What in your world should be? What should be? Not what could be, what should be. Human trafficking is on an all-time high. You know that? We, we look at the past and the hor- horrific things that happened with slavery. Can I tell you, more is happening today than ever before? It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking the amount of children that are being uh, abused nowadays. What's happening to this next generation. What about your vision? Do you say, hey, that makes me mad. That gets me upset. What should be in your life? What should be in your work? What should be in your neighborhood? What about your life? You say, hey, this should be. You know, we don't have enough people that are dissatisfied. You don't wake up and you're like, ah, this should be today. This should happen in my life. This should happen in my marriage. This should be. This is where my kids should be. This is where my life should be, where my finances should be. And I'm going to do something. You see, the should be is the reason for the vision. And when you have a reason for your vision, guess what? You will remain to that vision. You will, you will have the resilience to follow through on that, revision, that vision. But vision dies when you focus on what might be. When you just focus on, oh, I don't know, that's when vision dies. Secondly, vision is the preview of your perfu- preferred future. 
Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. You see, this is that preferred future. That evoked in motion. He wanted to be a father. He wanted to be a grandfather. He wanted to be a great nation because why? He's just Abram. He's just a Bedouin tribes person. In 2010, my wife and I, we traveled to Israel and then to Jordan, and we got to Jordan, and there we went out into the desert. We drove all night, and we got in the middle of the desert. We got out of the bus, and then we started to go down to the city of uh, uh, Petra, and on the way to Petra, you had people that they still live like they did thousands of years ago. In tents, they just live in the desert. And you can go into these Bedouin tents and they're not actors, they're not pretending. This is their way of life out in these deserts and you can buy tea or coffee from them. And that's what Abram was. He was not wealthy at this time and God gives him a vision and he loves it. A great nation, I'm just a Bedouin, I'm just a nobody and God gives me this great vision and it excited him, it evoked emotion. Your vision should stir you. Von Goth said this, dream no small dreams for they stir not the hearts of men. Dream big dreams. Have a big vision. Ask God what could be and dream and go after it and say, God, give me a vision for that. Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. But we're going to continue on because something happened to Abram. The same thing that'll happen to you and I. You're going to get a vision. And my friend, you can go out and get a vision, grab a journal and write it down, but you don't have to have a brand new moleskin that you spend a lot of money for, and you don't have to find the perfect forest with the perfect brook, with the perfect sunrise or the sunset, and the perfect cup of coffee turned just right for the Instagram. No, you don't need any of that. You could write it down on a napkin. You could have it on a piece of paper. You could take the bulletin you received today and say, this is my vision. A woman came up to me after the first service and said, I got a vision from God. Here it is. Three things. That's it. That's my vision. And I said, that's powerful. Go do it. Spend the next 12 months focus on those three things that you wrote down and your life will be radically different, I promise you. Just put all your time, effort, and energy into that vision. The problem is, you and I, we fall into this trap that happens in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, the Bible says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. What's happening? The vision's about to vanish, isn't it? Because God had told him, hey, I'm going to make your descendants like the sand of the seashore and like the stars of the heaven. But now he's saying, hey, I got this servant, Eliezer. Uh, he's, a, he's from Damascus. I, he'll do. What's happened to the vision? It's vanishing. What happened last year, 2022? You let the vision vanish. So God comes after giving him the vision in chapter 12, three chapters later, he's got to come back to him and he's got to get vocal about the vision. God's like, hey, don't let this vision vanish. And some of you right now, you're letting the vision vanish. You're letting it already slip out. It's just the second week in a new year. And already you're like, well, there goes that plan. I went to the gym twice this week. I was supposed to go every day. I'm supposed to read my Bible every day. I'm supposed to be at church last week. Didn't make it last week, but I'm here this week. And already I'm on the wrong foot. Already I got a bill. Already this bad thing happened. Already the economy's looking bad. Already things aren't going my way. And all of a sudden you're looking at the vision. And it's starting to vanish before your eyes. 
Don't let the vision vanish. So God came to Abraham and he said, no, that's not my plan. He comes back to him, rebukes him, and he says this, and I love it. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up to the sky. Count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. You need to come back to the vision. Get vocal about this vision. Write the vision down. Make it plain so he that reads it can run with it. What's your vision this morning? Do you have a vision? What's your vision for your life? Your life is going to be the same place tomorrow as it is today unless you get a vision for what's going to be different. What's your vision? Sadly, the church is lacking vision. We're some of the most visionless people and we wonder why we never see God's miraculous uh, interventions in our life because you have no vision that needs God. There's nothing that you think you need God. You put your life in comfort and ease and you're missing out that God wants to show up and show off in your life and your vision needs to be so big, so radical that God has to step in. Here is, he, God knows that Abraham is getting older and Sarah's getting older and God wants to show up in his life and show him that don't look at these things as setbacks to the vision. Some of you are looking at, oh, the marriage going through a rough season. I don't know if we're going to make it. No, no, get a vision. We gave you a, a calendar because we want to help you with your vision this year. We want to strengthen you along the way because we know life's going to be hard. 2023 is not going to be the perfect year. I don't care what you wrote down. I don't care what you put on Twitter. I don't care what you put on Instagram, what you put on Snapchat, what you put out there for everybody else to like it and follow it. I'm telling you, this year's going to have its challenges. But if you've got a vision, you'll stay focused on the vision. And you'll be able to weather those storms. See, God gets vocal about the vision. Vision provides the motivation to continue to the destination. Some of you lose motivation too quick because you do not have a vision. Here's the other thing. If the vision doesn't capture your heart, it won't captivate anyone else's either. But here's the other thing we don't like about vision. Vision brings clarity between good things and the best thing. You know, we have a vision to build a building, so guess what? It makes it easy to say no to little expenses. Because why? I've got this other vision. The money needs to go to that vision. Some of us, we have a vision to become a millionaire this year, but we love to spend at Macy's too much. Your goals are in competition. You have a goal that you say, I want to have a better body, but yet you and I love McDonald's. The goals are competing. You have to step back and say, wait a minute, I have a vision. Does this decision clarify and align with my vision? Everything must align with the vision. The vision doesn't align with everything else because then you have division. And that's what many of us have. Division, not vision, because you are chasing here and you're back over here and somebody gives you this idea and that idea and you're like, I'm making no forward ground because you're playing pinball. It's just back and forth. You're never moving forward. And vision helps you to keep moving forward and allows you to say no to stupid things and stupid opportunities where you can stay focused and say, no, 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 God gave me this vision and I'm not going to deviate off the vision. As a matter of fact, I love how Jesus said he had set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. There was nothing that was 
what's going to dissuade him from going to the cross. You and I this year need to say, this is my vision. I'm saying no to the parties. I'm saying no to those friends. I'm saying no to those activities because those are going to pull me away from this vision. I'm fixed on it. And people may say, well, you're boring. You're no fun. You say, no, no, no. I got a vision that's bigger. And one day they're going to look back and they're going to say, hey, can you help me with my vision? Because my life is stuck. It's the same. I'm never getting anywhere. I'm never going anywhere. And it's because they lack vision because where there's no vision, the people perish. Do you have a clear view of your vision? You need a clear view this year. It makes making decisions that much easier to help you reexamine it. But I love this. Write this down. Vision is personal, but never private. Vision is personal, but never private. Let me ask you a question. Can Abraham have a baby on his own? You say, well, in today's modern culture, they, they say men can have... That's garbage, folks. I don't care if the Joker in the comics is having a baby. That is not godly at all. God's plan is man and woman, they make the baby. The vision was given to a person, but it's going to require people. Your vision, are you involving any other people? You say, well, I can do it on my own. Then it's not a very good vision. It's not big. You see, the vision here with the church is so big, we need people. God gave the vision to a person, but it's never private. He said, I will make of you a great nation. This means we're going to involve other people. Abraham's going to need Sarah to fulfill the vision. And I love this. Just because you're not visible doesn't mean you're not valuable. Sarah has a big part in this vision. And God wanted to use him. Here's what's so amazing. We miss out. Uh, man needs a vision. Men specifically need a vision. So let me talk to the men just for a little bit, for a second. You got to have a vision. You know, oftentimes we forget what happened in Genesis. God, the first thing he gave to Adam was not the woman. The first thing he gave to Adam was a job, was a purpose, was work before the woman. And so you need a vision. It's not the nine to five that needs to take precedence, but it's why you were created. It's why you're here. When I first started looking at wanting to date Jane she was so far out of my league it scared me I was intimidated because she had a bigger vision than I had a vision and I realized that wait a minute if I'm going to fly high with the eagles then I've got to have a vision for myself men are intimidated by women today because they've got a career they got a vision they got a purpose and they're scared and so they go back down and they look for somebody with no vision and that means they're going to head nowhere and they're just happy with just existing and we need to have men that have a vision God gave you vision before he gave you a woman because the woman is the help me to the vision you say, oh, man, well, I don't like this in today's modern society. I'm telling you, the happiest relationships are those that say, hey, this man has a great vision. He's building something. He's doing something. I want to partner with that. I want to follow that. People are attracted to vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there's no vision for the relationship, it perishes. And so we have people today that you have no vision. You get a vision, things will change in your life. Say, this is what I'm going to do. Hey, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I know what I'm going to do this week. I've got my vision laid out for the year. I spent time, and then I built a calendar, a weekly calendar. I know what time I'm going to wake up. I know what I'm going to do every 30 minutes. I've got my vision laid out. I've showed it to Jane. I said, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's what investments we're going to make. Here's how we're going to build, and here's how we're going to give. Because I gave, and I was able to give and bless our church more than I've ever thought I was able to. And I told Jane over dinner last week, I said, hey, I don't want that to be a one and done. I want that to be the habit. I want that to be the pattern. I was talking to my son, Kane. We were driving around running errands yesterday. And he's got this thing. He's got a favorite restaurant. Favorite restaurant. It's fine dining. It's great. It's IHOP. Loves it. <laughs> Loves IHOP. Loves him some IHOP. And then I said, hey, I'm going to take you out. I know where you want to go to dinner. 
And he said, well, I've changed my pattern. I looked over. He's five years old talking about he has a pattern. I said, what five-year-old has a pattern? Your pattern is you wake up, you go to the bathroom, you eat some breakfast, you play, you eat some food, you play. That's your pattern. He's talking about I have a pattern. He said, now I'll go to IHOP. The next time I go to Red Robin, then I'll go back to IHOP, then I'll go back to Red Robin, then I'll go back to IHOP, and then I'll go back to Red Robin. That's my pattern. I said, well, I'm learning something about my five-year-old. My five-year-old has a pattern. Why is it my five-year-old's got a bigger vision than some of us? He's got a vision for where he wants to do what he wants to happen in his life. Where's our vision? Where there's no vision, people perish. Do you have a clear view of your vision? I know I'm beating a dead horse right now talking about vision, but I'm tired of people having no vision for their future, no vision for their life. You look and you step back and you say, why is he going on vacation again? Why is he going to Hawaii? Why is he he doing that? Where, where, Where is he going that? That was in the vision. That was in the vision. You want a better life? Get a better vision. Some of us are so stuck, and God's like, I never meant for you to be stuck. Everything requires vision. Nothing just happened by accident. God had a vision, and the sky was without form and voidless, and God spoke his vision into existence. You and I are stepping back. We've got to speak that vision and say, this is my vision. I'm going to go after it. What do you want after this year? You see, God knew that Abraham needed a vision. And I love this. I love this. But Abraham's vision was so big, it was going to require somebody else. Our staff and our team, we're reading a book. It's called Who, Not How. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. It's changing my paradigm. Because on Friday, Jane and I were at the office. It's my day off. And it's supposed to be her day off. It's a one day off because Saturday's usually got ministry or family or just normal stuff. And on Friday, we found ourselves at the church office, which I don't mind at all. But I found us organizing, cleaning, labeling, fixing, putting things away. And I'm listening to Audible and I'm listening to the book called Who Not How. And the premise of the book is that if you have a job that you're doing, probably somebody else. And if it's not aligned with the vision, Somebody else should be doing the job. My vision is to raise $10 million and build that, that short term. And yet here I am putting labels and moving. And I'm not above it, but I'm getting mad as I'm listening to this book. Because the book is telling me about all these CEOs that had to quit doing dumb stuff so they could do the one thing that nobody else could do. And here I was, and I'm looking at Jane, and she's getting frustrated, and I'm getting frustrated. Because we're listening to the book, Who Not How, and I'm thinking to myself, we're not involving others in the vision. The vision's too big. We need to involve somebody else. Somebody else would love to be here with the label maker. They would love to do all this stuff. There's a great quote. I learned it in the book. If you have money, you don't have a problem. You say, what do you mean? I will spend hours, hours trying to fix my dishwasher. And I know you're going to think, man, you, you, you privileged person, you. I'll spend hours fixing it. And then I'll step back and say, oh, that took me half my day when I could have called the repairman. Yes, he makes 85 bucks an hour, but in two hours he would have fixed it and I would have spent $170 instead of all day being frustrated fixing it. It's a who, not a how. If you have money, you don't have a problem. And yet we, in our life, we don't understand that God's going to give you a vision that is too big for you. It's going to involve somebody else. So get somebody else on your team to accomplish the vision. I'm not smart enough to build the building. I'm not smart enough to build the church. I'm not smart enough. I have to rely on other people. It's a who, not a how. And so God was helping him. God was reminding him that the vision is personal, but it's never private. Now we're closing. we got to close. But all that to say this. Here's the most pivotal part of you and your vision. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 16. This is, this is a good Bible study. We're in chapter 12, chapter 15, now we're in chapter 16. 
Verse number one. Scripture says, now Sarah came, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And this is the saddest part of the verse. What's it say? But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Okay, what's going to happen? So she, that's Sarai, said to Abram, the Lord has kept me, she's blaming God, from having children, which is part of the vision that God gave to her, them. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I will build my family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Of course he did. I'm just saying it like it is. Sure. Sure. Of course. What do you expect? Your wife has that idea? Like, well, if you want me to. If it'll make you happy. Of course Abraham's going to say yes. Here's the problem. Where in Genesis chapter number 12 did God tell them that this was Hagar was part of the plan? He didn't. You and I need to stop visiting our vision and live in our vision. They just wanted to visit it. They had stepped back and they were like, we're just done. We don't want to go through all the work. Do you know how much work it is to have a baby? Do you know the amount of discomfort and pain? Do you know what happens to the body when you deliver a baby? Do you know the stretch marks? Do you know the swollen feet? Do you know the hot flashes? Do you know the hunger? Do you know the fact that they're in a tent, they ride camels, and she's pregnant? Are you kidding me? She's like, let's go get a Hagar. And God's given you a vision, and some of you are looking for somebody else to do all the work for your vision. That's a problem. That's the problem. God never said go to Hagar. And maybe you're like, Pastor, you said it's a who, not a how. Wait a minute. You can have somebody help with the vision, but they wanted somebody to, to own the vision. When you're going to give birth to a baby, that is owning the vision. And that was not God's plan. Although in that day and age, that's actually natural, normal, to have a surrogate. You're going to find that the next generation, they did it. You couldn't have kids. You'd go through somebody else. You'd have a child. So even though certain things are natural in the world sense, you're missing out on the supernatural that God wants to show up. So stop visiting the vision that God gave you. And many of you, God made the vision so clear and he's made it so concise. And yet you are looking at it. You're saying, but that's going to be hard. That's going to be difficult. But I'm telling you this morning that you need to stop visiting and say, God gave me this vision. I'm going to live in this vision. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be hard. But this this vision is so important. It's not just that I need the vision. It's that this area needs the vision. I'm going to tell you right now, San Jose, California needs Southridge Church. San Jose needs a church like ours that loves them and cares about them and to go after them and reach after them. Uh, this week, I spent all week driving around looking for somebody who I hadn't seen in church. I went over to his job, couldn't find him there. I went over to his house, couldn't find him there. Finally, I'm driving down the street and I see him walking. I was like, I've been looking for you. And he's like, are you serious? I've spent an hour and a half driving around the town looking for you. And he was back in church this morning because somebody was willing to go after him. So who are you willing to go after? Because our vision drives us, but we've got to have a vision this morning. We can't be the type of church that says, I don't care. I don't have a vision. No, we've got a vision. It's leading people to find and follow Jesus. And if there's somebody here that's supposed to be here that's not, we go after him. We call him. We text him. We say, I miss you. I love you. Get back here. This is the place of vision. This is a place that's doing something. This is a place that'll encourage you to not visit that vision. Don't just check in on it. Have 
have a vision for your marriage. Your marriage should be looking at that conference saying, hey, we have a good marriage, but it could be a great marriage. We want to have a great relationship. Hey, I don't just want to be a good man. I want to be a great man. They got a men's conference. I'm going to that conference. I'm going to do whatever it takes to go to that next level. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach my friends and my family because I've got a vision. This church needs a vision. You need a vision. And your kids need to see that you have a vision. But sadly, we come in and we just think it has been. It's same old, same old. Two weeks ago, my wife and I felt led of the Lord to go drive, actually fly, to Pasco, Washington. You say, why? Because God put it on my heart to write a check to a pastor I'd never met who's building a $5 million building. And I said, ours is $10 million. Yours is a little bit cheaper, so let's help you get to yours first. So showed up three days before Christmas. He didn't know me from Adam. Never heard of me. He's like, how did you hear about me? I said, I don't know how I found your podcast, but I found your podcast. The interesting thing is we're sitting over lunch, and he looks at me after the lunch, and he says something. He says, do you have a 12-year-old daughter? And I slowly begin to reach for my knife in case he says something stupid next. And he said, because I had a vision. I saw your daughter. And I'm still hanging on to that knife, waiting. He said... The vision I saw was her leading the nation in revival. And I dropped the knife. And I said, that's actually not a vision. That's a memory. Because in 2020, when we had our revival during COVID, the height of COVID, it was chaos. People dying, people getting sick, all things happening. My wife and I heard Megan sobbing in tears, praying, kneeling by her bedside because she had a vision. She had a vision from God to pray for revival, and it stirred her. And now, three years later, I'm sitting across the table from a pastor, and a pastor was confirming the vision that he had about my daughter. And then I was driving home, and I said, "Hun, I just gave that man one of the largest checks I've ever written, and I'm driving home. I'm more blessed. I've received more from what he had said because it confirmed some things, but it also challenged me because what's my vision for my children? What's my vision? What have I seen in my children? I had never seen a vision of them leading the country in revival. Some of us have a vision of our kids going to a great college. Good for you. Whoop-de-doo. Everybody's got that vision. You say, that's, that kind of cuts deep. I'm sorry. Let me back off of it a little bit. Get a vision that's bigger than them just going to college. Get a vision of them leading people to see people saved. Get a vision for them going across the world and taking the gospel. Get a vision of them being a strong man of God in a culture that wants them to not be a strong man of God. Get them a vision to be a strong woman of God in a culture that doesn't want them to be a strong woman of God. Give them a vision for what a loving Christ-centered marriage can be like. Give them a vision for what a church can be like. Give them a vision for what a city can be like that one church can save one city that one church can go and take the gospel around the world that one church doesn't just start here it can start and go everywhere it can go global but we've got to have a vision for it where there's no vision the people perish where's your vision what's the vision my wife and I every year we write down we say what's the vision and then we look back and we're like Hey, we didn't get all of it, but look, look at how much got accomplished. I, I wish I could just sit down and just tell you the vision. I think it would scare you. I think it would freak you out. But part of me believes that maybe you would get it if I just told you. Part of me just thinks that if maybe I just told you that selling my house and giving the money away was the best thing that ever happened. But many of you, if you were handed a million dollars, wouldn't do that. 
you'd be like, I've got a million dollars. Las Vegas, yeah. All right, Super Bowl, place the bet. Shopping spree. You wouldn't think kingdom. You wouldn't think that ministry needs money, give it to them. They need a check, give it to them. They need a check, give it to them. I'm like Oprah, just poorer. You need a check, you need a check, you get a check, you get a check. Now I'm addicted to it. Now I want to help other people, not just our ministry. I want us every year to be writing checks, giving it away to people that need money. Why not? You know what it takes? It takes me figuring out a way to make passive income so that I can keep writing checks. So I've started figuring it out. I've started doing things. Here's the thing, you can too. You have untapped potential inside of you. Vision will release it. Vision will release it. You're like those volcanoes in Hawaii. They're just dormant. All that power. All that power. And God's just like, man, I want to bust that crusty hard surface off of you. All that hardness, all that sin, all that junk. God just wanted to rip it out so that you could just do something for God. But just sitting there. The more you sit, the harder your heart gets. The more callous and cold you grow. And the world dies and fades around you. And you wake up one day realizing your spouse and you are nothing but roommates living separate lives. Your kids, you're just a person on the street. Your church, something you do because it feels good. Coffee tastes great. And the pastor looks good and plaid. Just kidding. Jane bought me this shirt. She didn't like I wore my one plaid shirt all the time, so she bought me a second one. So every Sunday, I have a pattern. This plaid and the next one. Just kidding. Call back to Cain. What's your vision? Where there is no vision, people perish. Will you perish because of lack of vision? I bet if you got a vision, and you said, God, give me a vision, it would change everything. I'll tell you this, we don't have time, we're way over. But you read Genesis chapter number 21, and I love what the Bible says that Sarah said. She said, who would imagine that Sarah would laugh in her old age as she has a child? She said, who would have thought? Abraham was 100 years old when he had a child. And Sarah, it's like 80-something, late 80s, has a child. And she said, who would have thought? Your vision is vital. That's the last one. Write that down. Your vision is vital. It's vital to somebody. His vision is vital. We're going to celebrate our ninth anniversary as a church in just a few days, a few weeks. That's crazy, nine years. But I want to let you know all the lives, all the impact. That wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't realize the vision is vital. And somebody didn't say, I'm just going to visit that vision. I'm going to live it. Stop visiting your vision. Don't let it vanish. Your vision is too vital to your family. I can look at my family's history. Started in Germany where the first Ermler got saved. Once they got saved, they built the first Baptist church in Germany. 
my family. That's their, my heritage. First one in Germany goes that far back. First one. They didn't know that in the 1940s, late 1940s, that my family would immigrate here and that there'd be multiple pastors come down through the generations. They didn't know when they saw that first one saved. I don't know what German said, hey, we need to reach this one Ermler guy. And they never knew that when they reached the one, it's going to go across the sea. You don't know how much impact your vision can actually have. That's the power of a vision. That's the power of it. And church, let the vision eat you up. Let the vision keep you awake at night and wake you up in the morning. Get in your Bible and get in your journal and when life is beating you down and you're so discouraged, you go back to your vision. The second day of this year, I wrote myself a letter and it was this letter that said, hey, you're gonna get hurt this year. You're gonna be betrayed. You're going to be disillusioned. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to walk away. And when you do, remember the vision. Remember this. Come back to it. You take your journal and you write January 1st, the 8th, 2023, and you write yourself a letter and say, hey, don't van let the vision vanish. Stick to the vision. It's too vital. Your marriage is worth it. Your children are worth it. Your grandchildren are worth it. Don't think this generation. Think generational. I'm going over, but I need to say this. You can tell you're around wealthy people because they'll tell you this. You know, people like me will say, I, I think I'll make this much money this week. Slightly more people that make a little bit more say, I think I'll make this much money this quarter. I think I'll make this much money this year. Wealthy people will tell you, yeah, the next decade, here's how much money I'm going to make. They, they stretch it out because they know how long their investments are going to last. They know the impact of their vision. Switch from the monetary and think of something so much bigger. Think of all the people that you can impact. What would that look like? The time spent in rich kids, the time spent in serving, the time not just going to church, but being the church. What impact you could have. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to invite the worship team. You've been so gracious and patient. God wants to give you a vision. The question is, do you have a clear view of your vision? In just a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us in one last song before we're dismissed. But I don't think you should leave without saying, God, give me a vision. Maybe you want to slip out and you come to the altar and pray. I'll be down here on the side. I'll pray with you. Or you want to make an altar there in your seat. But don't let another day go by without a vision from God. Don't let another day go by. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. We need a fresh vision. We want to see something that only you can accomplish. So give us a vision. Let the vision wreck us, change us, and transform us. Let us have a vision of what this city could look like, what our careers, our families, our marriages, our homes could look like. And help us to think multi-generational. In Jesus' name we pray. Worship team, as you lead us in a song, I'm gonna invite you to slip out. We'll be glad to pray with you. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. 
it is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.